with the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Stretch out with your feelings. You see? You can do it. You can do Faking Star Wars Radio. That's right. It's another great interview episode of Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. And I'm here with the vivacious, the the lovely, the elegant, um, and uh, the incarnation uh, today I'm seeing before me looks like it's from, uh, I'm not going to say Game of Thrones. You'll have to give me a little help on that. Oh, I'll only give you a little help on that. <laughs> there we go. Yes, from the Mandalorian itself, we have the uh, the the blacksmith lady, I guess, as you call it, or what? What do you call the armorist? I guess. Uh, the armorer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. This is actually one of my favorite new characters uh, in in the Mandalorian. So I'm really happy that you decided to give us a glimpse uh, into that costume. But I'm here with the, the lovely Evie. We call you Evie, right? Mm-hmm. Now, is that a Pokemon reference, or is that a reference to something else? Um, so it's a reference to something else. I had originally thought that it'd be cool to make my name EVE Cosplay, and that was already taken, so I just shortened it a little bit. Um, okay. It's pretty easy to go by, um, mm. so nice. doesn't nice. really have a fun story. Oh, that's okay. My my name I found in a fortune cookie, so that's where I got Storm Duper from anyway. So That's a good fortune cookie. Yeah, I was very fortunate, so... Um, well, we're just curious, uh, Evie, how did you get connected with faking Star Wars? Because generally, uh, very attractive females run in terror at the very mention of our name. So, um, Yes, yeah, so I was participating in the Plaid FX uh, cosplay contest they had a couple weeks back. And I, with my armorer cosplay, and um, I got your Instagram account followed me and liked a bunch of my photos. So I checked them out. And I was like, oh, cool. Seems kind of fun. We have an armada of people working for the website who are constantly scouring the internet for, um, you know, uh, a uh, wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yes, scum and villainy, who we might be able to bring into our foray here um, and uh, enlarge our network. So, um, if you're not, if you haven't yet, you know, you may get on our Discord, and that's really where things hit rock bottom. And uh, (laughs) you know, you'll enjoy uh, interacting with a lot of our fans on the Discord channel. in any case, uh, well, how did you get your start um, as a cosplayer? You obviously have sunk a lot of time and money into this. So where did this begin? I, I've kind of always liked making costumes. I, you know, made some when I was in high school, did some like Halloween costumes when I was in college and thought that was really cool. Um, kept seeing cosplay on Reddit and on the Internet and just kept thinking, man, that is such a cool thing to do. But I'd never gone to a convention or anything and I'd never really done it. And then one of my friends, uh, I think it was 2018, invited me to go to C2E2 with her. And I had gone to like the Renaissance Fair and dressed up to go to the Renaissance Fair and I had made a dress for that. Um, I actually made Sophia Sartor from Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. So it was like a specific character, but it was like a Renaissance gown. So I made it for the Renaissance Fair. And I was like, well, I'm just going to wear it to C2E2 because I have it. And uh, so we went, uh, my husband and I went on Saturday, 2018, and it was so cool. I just like took pictures of people all day and like two people took my picture and I was just like, oh, this is so cool. (laughs) Um, Didn't really do that much with it for a little while. I made a couple more costumes. I made like Yennefer and wore her to the Renaissance Fair. And then um, beginning of 2019, I made that my New Year's resolution to start a cosplay Instagram. And at the time I had two costumes and I have a sewing machine. I had a sewing machine, and I had no idea what I'm doing. I still don't really have any idea what I'm doing, but I have a lot more tools now, and I have more experience, and so I figured out some stuff that kind of works. For some of the other cosplayers I've talked to, um, you know, Halloween has been a big intro, kind of has helped them get the on ramp. But you're the first one who has had experience with Renaissance fairs, um, which is kind of a different level of nerddom, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we make jokes about ourselves having pizza uh, crust in our in our neck beards, but over there i mean it's just it's just on a galactic level right i mean turkey leg on a stick level yes yes so i'm excited to to talk to you about that experience a little bit i mean did you already have interest in that sort of um uh, historical background i noticed on your instagram you have a lot of costumes that seem to have that renaissance fair Mm -hmm. influence uh so i do like historical fashion i think that's a kind of really cool 
random back alley. I could probably talk about that for an hour, but I don't think that's your level of nerddom. <laughs> that's not, it's kind of, it's kind of niche a little bit. Well, we're pan sartorial um, here on the podcast. We, we don't discriminate <laughs> to different kinds of uh, wardrobe choices. We, we believe all wardrobes are created equal. All wardrobes matter. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so actually the first time I went to the Renaissance fair, a coworker, um, was like, Hey, we should go, I'm going to take you and I'm going to show you around and everything. And she actually like dressed me up for it. So like, I literally went over to her house one afternoon and she was just like pulling stuff out of closets being like, you should wear this or you should wear this. And the Renaissance fair is definitely like my happy place. I was very sad because the Bristol Renaissance fair up in Wisconsin got canceled completely this year. Right. Um, appropriately so, but, um, I've gone to that past three years and really, really loved it. Everybody could uh, have I, gone and, and cosplayed as like uh, the Grim Reaper, I suppose. That would have been apropos. Plague mask. I was thinking plague doctor masks. Right, right. Very the plague doctor. apropos as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I love cool. what they've done too because they've um, they started having like a they have Rencon now, so they've had that the past two years where they try to get all the cosplayers out there. So I get to see some of my cosplay friends from around the area all come up. Um, actually participated in their costume contest last year uh, as Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, and I got third. And I was very excited because that was, like, my first cosplay win or, like, hey, I don't suck at this. Oh, yes. It's very, that's, you know, it's, it's wonderful that in just two years you've sort of been launched into uh, already winning awards for this. You may have a natural knack for this sort of thing. Um, and I, I guess you did say you like sewing, and I noticed on your, mm -hmm. your Etsy account – um, and we'll let you plug that. Uh, you did your research. You, you've been crocheting, I guess, uh, some some stuff from different uh, properties. Uh, so that how does that play into your cosplay? I mean, are these separate, or are they start these two different hobbies start to merge for you? Oh, okay. So on my Etsy store, I have some embroidery patches from Horizon Zero Dawn, and then well, some just other embroidery patches that I've made. One of my more prominent signs of nerddom that I display. Uh, I made a, I'm making a patch jacket, so it's just like a big green army jacket, and on the back I have all these patches, and my, my goal is to have one for each cosplay that I do, because uh, I think that's kind of fun. But I realized you can't just go and buy a Horizon Zero Dawn patch, because it doesn't exist. Um, so I started making some, and um, the embroidery, I bought an embroidery machine, actually my husband bought me an embroidery machine for my birthday last year. And um, so I was able to start making my own designs, which has been really cool because I could definitely could not make those by hand. And I've been able to also incorporate those embroidery bits into a whole bunch of different costumes because uh, that does add a nice like textile type um, effect to things. It's so. kind of like different layering and different details sort of, I guess, right? Yeah, it's so. different layering. It has different detail. I was able to participate in the crown championships of cosplay last year, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, it was oh. fantastic great experience everyone was really cool um but i was just more or less shocked that i got in having like a year of cosplay experience and i was just like we're just gonna go for it so i made evie fry and she has some lovely embroidery check that out on my instagram if anyone's curious um but it was just so much that i had embroidery everywhere on that thing <laughs> wow wow well, as we find, you know, a lot of people I've interviewed that are interested in sort of, you know, making, right? I mean, I would say cosplay, mm -hmm. prop making, all this sort of, there's, there's just this there's sort of umbrella of creative people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I would, I would put myself in that department. I mean, I don't make anything physical, but I make auditory noise that people sometimes listen to. Um, but as a maker who, who enjoys this kind of thing, um, you know, you know, how, how, how would you uh, rate it? I mean, some people seem to have like this really intense obsession with Star Wars and then the mm -hmm. making sort of serves Star Wars, whereas for other people, it's the other way. You know, they, they just really enjoy the making and the Star Wars kind of gets, you know, smuggled in like some, mm -hmm. some uh, you know, little uh, uh, CGI animated character uh, that steps in the poodoo at the end. Um, so for you, how do you balance those two interests? I mean, Star Wars, cosplay, which one comes first in your life? Uh, which one do you bow down to and serve? as master and lord <laughs> so let's see i uh so i started i got interested in star wars way before i was interested in cosplay um i've been watching i started watching like star wars special editions when i was a kid and then i've seen like all the star wars in the theaters of course i have opinions about the recent trilogy but we don't have to go into that oh we um, want to do that we definitely want to do that um our goal is to try to offend as many people as possible so, so talking about the sequel trilogy the last jedi in particular is one of our greatest joys what were they thinking? 
<laughs> oh, you so you're one of those, huh? I, I had some I had some really high hopes for it because I do very much love Star Wars. I was also kind of pissed off when they announced that the um the sequel trilogy was not going to be following like any of the books because I was this gigantic nerd. I think it was middle school and I started reading like all of the Star Wars books. And then they're just like, no, we're going to retcon that and just do something new that's not nearly as good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's so much. It's interesting. You know, I was talking to Callum Johns from Australia the other the other day uh, on the podcast, who's sort of an expert on the EU novelizations um, in mm-hmm. general. And he he had kind of a, a different opinion in a way. I mean, he he didn't really want them to film the EU material because he felt like there was room for more stories. But I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they just didn't like where the story went um, in terms of like not centering on Luke Skywalker and introducing um, other characters who were kind of flat. Um, and so I can see like how it's, it's really hard to please anyone because on, on either side of it, I find that people are really upset. And I, I think that possibly it might just be that people are done with Star Wars. They need to have more beer and just try to have fun with it, you know. But but it's interesting to see that because I I personally thought the sequel trilogy was was what I was waiting for because I'm, I'm a little older than you. You aged yourself out here. So now I'm going to have to <laughs> mansplain Star Wars to you. I, I hate doing this. Do I um, get to interrupt? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I guess, you know, as one who hated the prequel trilogy, you know, the sequel trilogy mm. was a breath of fresh air, I guess. And if we can all, I think we can all agree at least that some of the stuff in Attack of the Clones was extremely cringy. Cringe is a good word for it. Beautiful so, dresses. Every single one of Padme's dresses I love. And I'm considering making one of those at some point. Well, those are kinda, big undertakings. That, well, yeah, some of them even have electricity, right? And battery components, I suppose, like electric lights in them. And so, oh, yeah. I mean, thinking about the, let's go through it then. The, the prequel trilogy, I mean, which which costume would you choose to cosplay at your next event if you went to like Celebration or whatever? Um, So I am fond of very, two dresses. I'd probably go for Queen Amidala's parade dress at the end of episode one. The big white one with the weird parasol thing. Oh, yeah. I think that one's very fun. I could definitely make some kind of glowing plasma ball to hand around to people. That would also be fun. Mm. Uh, and then I think everyone just really likes Padme's lake dress. That she wears an Attack of the Clones. It's the very flowy, rainbowy kind of one. It's lovely. It's just, that kind of gold fabric. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. That's, That's just kind of like a bucket list kind of thing. Sure. I've never seen anyone. Uh, I don't think cosplay the first one, so I, I'd be curious to see how that played out for you. Um, how about the original trilogy? Like a cosplay from that? Yeah. Boba Fett. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe Jabba the Hutt. No. <laughs> I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> So the question is, is have you done that? Have you dressed up as a convention and tried to find a slave layer? Because that is a thing. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You know, I, I tend to avoid those uh, big events because, as you know, I mean, uh, as you can see wearing my helmet, uh, people try to take my helmet off all the time um, because they know that when they take my helmet off, there's just another helmet underneath. Um, and it just gets mm-hmm. tiring from having people coming up to me all the time asking for my autograph, asking me to sign their baby's forehead. Um, so I, I tend to avoid those events as a general rule because, you know, I'm getting older now and I just don't have the stamina for it, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, those get three day cons getting very exhausting. Would you go as uh, as a slave lay? I mean, that's very politically uh, not popular right now to talk about slave lay costumes. Although I'm sure there are some people who would uh, be overjoyed if if you did do that. Your husband probably included. Um, what other costumes that are more politically correct? Uh, I guess these days, would you enjoy doing? Um, so from Star Wars, I do actually really love Zori Bliss from the Last Jedi. I thought her was cool, actually better. Ah, from the yeah, sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I do have my Zuri Bliss Funko. She was my, I saw, so I actually watched The Last Jedi before I saw The Mandalorian. I binge watched the entire Mandalorian with my husband and some of his friends New Year's Eve. Um, and so I saw Zuri Bliss and I'm like, man, she's cool. She's really, really cool. And then we um, watched The Mandalorian. I was like, okay, the armor is pretty sweet also. Definitely got to do her uh, at some point. And then uh, at C2B2 this year, uh, my husband dressed up as the full Mandalorian. Like, he went full Beskar, and oh, wow. I helped him make all of that, and we did the props. I actually have his pulse rifle hanging out right here. Oh, right. yeah. Hold that up for us. Let us see that, yeah. that uh, weapon. How did you make that? Oh, okay. So this is 3D printed. There were a whole oh. bunch of individual pieces. It is exactly 69 inches long. There you go. <laughs> I did measure it. It's taller than me. <laughs> Um, so we 3D printed it. It's attached with a couple of steel rods in the middle, and then I actually painted the entire thing. 
Um, obviously you do like a base layer of spray paint and then um, I did all of the details in some just acrylic paint from Flat FX. And then if you want to be real fancy, we actually got, got a little EV props thing here. That's my husband's cosplay Insta account. Oh, that is really sweet. Nice. So, so this kind of work that you're doing, I mean, th this is more than just a casual weekend. I mean, this is an intense uh, operation that you're running out of your garage or where? I mean. Oh, so the garage, the living room, mostly the garage and the living room, sometimes the kitchen. I just kind of take over everything. Uh, some people are like, oh, I want to specifically be a character. And I think that's really fun. But I also just really like to make stuff. Mm. Even before I started making cosplay, I would just like paint random things or do random crafts or like try to sew something. But it was like really boring stuff. Like I'm sewing a table runner or some curtains hmm. or like I made my Christmas decorations. But I think making something, you know, like I made the armorer's apron. Can't yeah, so let's see there. So yeah. what's the armor actual, the gold plate? What's that made out of? Oh, um, so this is actually um, a <laughs> failed three, not a failed 3D print, but this is a 3D print that we made for my husband's best car. And ah. we didn't like the finish on it because depending on how you print something, um, but you have like little layer lines. Um, and it ended up having like layer lines coming out from the center and then kind of going out because it was printed in two pieces, um, which just looked really weird and was going to take a long time to sand. So we ended up reprinting it and it turned out really good. Um, so I literally took his piece of armor, flipped it upside down, heat formed it so it actually felt fit me. And then I covered it in Bondo and sanded oh, wow. that down okay. to get a smooth surface mm. and then spray paint and then regular paint and then the the bottom part of your costume looks more like fabric of some kind like a, a plastic oh, yes. or a leather so this is this is a vinyl pleather vinyl uh, it's pleather, actually yeah. a couch upholstery type material uh so it's not necessarily for garment wearing but it's really thick so mm. it comes up really it stays really nice um and if you're looking for some kind of more authentic looking like leather corsetry or something thicker fabrics the way to go so that kind of evokes a little bit the feel of say um the robe that emperor palpatine wears in the rise of skywalker or in um i'm sorry in uh, attack of the clones and uh, revenge of the sith i think they actually had a sort of uh, plasticky vinyl resiny plastic pleather material that they used for that garment as well so uh it seems like you're on the right track with this uh you know experimenting and trying new things um so maybe you have a future career working for uh, lucasfilm under kathleen Ken Kennedy's uh, uh, watch. I mean, that would be super cool. I I obviously have the worry that I think a lot of people have of where if I made this into like an actual business um, that or it was my full time job that it wouldn't be fun anymore. Um, uh. I'm actually doing. I've done a couple of commissions for other people, and I'm always worried when I, you know, whenever I make something for myself, I'll be like, oh yeah, I can cut the corner there. No one's going to be able to tell or patch stuff with safety pins. And like, uh, so I always worry that if I'm doing it for someone else, so like I put that level of perfectionism into it and then it's a lot less fun. Sure. It's cosplay, yeah. not cost work. <laughs> Exactly. I, I hear that from a lot of people who who try to walk that boundary. I think it must be hard even being in in uh, Lucasfilm now because, I mean, a lot of those people did grow up with this as a hobby too, right? And it became something more. Um, so oh, yeah. so that balance uh, is really something you have to sort out and be one with the force, I suppose. In, in the past couple of years, what was uh, your favorite costume you did? Is it the, the armorist here before me? Or are there another one that you uh, are holding out on us to, to reveal later in the uh, in the interview? Uh, so my favorite one is Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Um, have you played Horizon Zero Dawn? Not yet. I'm know. I'm kind of uh, uh, you know rotating back into gaming slowly. I, I mm -hmm. you know as young I was into it a little bit, but um in the last year or two I've got a switch and I'm trying to learn the vocabulary a bit more. It's changed a lot, but um, I'm oh, familiar yeah. with the title a little bit. But tell us tell us more about it. Uh, so in Horizon Zero Dawn, Aloy, it's a post-apocalyptic future. Uh, looks very different from your kind of typical zombie one because obviously what happened to change the earth was different. Uh, part of the great part of the story is that you get to figure out what happened before, so I'll try not to spoil it. Okay. Uh, but basically, you start and you're Aloy, you're an 18 year old girl, and you're out there killing a bunch of machines because like all of the wildlife has been replaced with animal um, like reconstructions, for lack of a better word. And uh, I played the entire game of this Horizon Zero Dawn, and I really identified with her character. And that was just a cool costume to wear. Um, because So that was the one that I wore to the Renaissance Fair, and I placed third, and that was the first time I'd ever taken it out anywhere. 
And then like people recognized it and we were like, <laughs> there's a very special uh, part in your life where you're walking around and somebody comes up to you with a really bad fake Shakespearean accent and says, oh, Aloy, hast thou slain any mechs today? And you're just like, <laughs> I have no idea what to say. <laughs> Well, that, you know, that can be complicated, uh, especially for, for women as cosplayers. You know, it's a brave new world now. Um, you have all kinds of uh, uh, online stalkers, for lack of a better term. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of part of the fun a little bit, right? There's a bit of a bit of teasing that goes on with cosplay a little bit, right? Uh, trying to walk that line of being titillating and interesting while also carrying carrying it with dignity i mean is that is that a tension at all like do you feel like sometimes it uh you don't want to go too far but you want to kind of have a little fun with people i guess i i don't know talk about that so that's definitely a um that's definitely a struggle so i see a lot of people that like i don't know famous female cosplayers and it tends to be that they like you post a slightly skimpier picture and it does really really well as opposed to a build that you spend a long time on and it's just kind of like crickets, you know, like it's middle of the road. From what I, and I don't know enough about it, but what it seems to me, at least uh, in terms of uh, what gets attention on Twitter is uh, less is more, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So the less that you actually build into your costume and the more skin you show, the more interest it generates, but it's kind of the negative attention that you might not necessarily want at the same time, right? Yeah, it's definitely a line that I am, kind of walking a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so I know like my real life family follows my cosplay Instagram. I've got a couple of coworkers that do, some of my husband's coworkers do. So with all of that in mind, I do want to make sure that the stuff that I'm putting out there isn't too too crazy. We're not going to be doing the the red Sonya cosplays or anything. Right, um, right. I don't know if I personally have the figure for the slave Leia. I like there's a there's a comfort level in the stuff I wear too. <laughs> Sure, sure. In in being a well-respected cosplayer, um, how how has that affected sort of? I mean, I mean, you have a, you have a husband who you're obviously very devoted to. I mean, have, has there been instances where he had to sort of step in at a con a conference and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know, she looks like she's some fantasy creature from a video game, but she's my wife. You know, leave her alone." I mean, uh, has that ever been an issue that you've had to deal with at all? Um, I've had honestly fairly few experiences with people being unusual which i think is nice um i think one time i did have a guy that kept posting on my uh instagram page whenever i would post a picture just be like i will see you at c2e2 and i was like (laughs) wouldn't comment on it because like yeah dude i mean i posted my lineup i said i'm gonna be these characters on these days i'm gonna be there but it's a really big convention you know there's like what five thousand ten thousand people that go to that and he kept being like i will see you there and like just didn't, I just kind of ignored him. Major creep factor. Dude actually found me. Oh, okay. So he, that. I, he was very polite in person. Okay. He asked for a photo and he just like kind of kept babbling a little bit. Like I felt like he was just nervous. Right. Um. He complimented me on my Twitch streams, which I have not streamed on Twitch. So that was <laughs> interesting. Like I've kind of considered it. Like I think that that could be a cool thing to do. Like maybe I'm on, I could like stream me making some stuff because I, sometimes find it interesting to watch people do that or like a youtube video of like the making of the costume sure that would be that'd be interesting yeah yeah i've I've been thinking about doing that i did like a practice time lapse on one of my builds and that was kind of fun um but yeah so and he he was there and he after like a minute of him talking to me i you know my husband was like standing right up like literally like five feet away just like and he was in his mando costume and he was just not, so I couldn't see his face or anything, but he, he right. I told him about this guy in advance and he was just kind of like, oh, but then I saw a couple of my friends, like literally five feet away. And I was just like, oh, excuse me. I have to, my friends are right there. Right, and I ran right. over there and these are people that I met in person before. And I just said, hey, this guy is being weird. Can I hang out? And they're like, oh, yes. That's good. And like, I- that yeah, kind of support were... seems to be really a very important constituent of the cosplay world. I, I've heard from other cosplayers who've had similar experiences with, shall we say, overzealous fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when there is a strange dude with, with a, you know, a neck beard and pizza uh, in their beard, it, it can be very uncomfortable. The smell can be just over <laughs> overwhelming. I, uh, I was I was at a cosplay convention as myself playing Strum Duper and uh, uh, see you know um, a young cosplayer uh, woman actually came up to me and accosted me and wanted to just pick me up like like almost like a baby <laughs> and get her picture with me and I I didn't know what to say I, I was overwhelmed you know so. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that for the most part, it's been very positive and you haven't had any like major, major uh, sketchy things. We here at Faking Star Wars, um, we actually employ Russian trolls in our basement that we unleash uh, upon anybody who, uh, you know, makes our guests feel uncomfortable. So you're in safe hands. Uh, once you've once you've enrolled in the Faking Star Wars community, we sort of have like a mafia vigilante justice system uh, for anybody. Ah. So so, yeah, you're 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 probably uh, you're probably going to be very well protected in the future if you do become super famous or something so um we'll see if that happens i wouldn't bet on it i don't know (laughs) yeah give yourself a shot you know hope is believing try you know do or do not there is no try right um well well, what was so so you had the best costumes uh what about some of the worst uh, attempts you know maybe when you're just starting out or or something that uh maybe was just more time than it was worth or like the worst failure uh you can think of uh in this uh Mm -hmm. vein Anything come to mind? So, oh yeah. So honestly, I've been kind of amazed at how like how much I've learned and how quickly I've looked at stuff that I wore to C2E2 2019, and I had like put my heart and soul into those, you know, having no experience and just been like, yeah, I'm gonna go for it. And I did like a Wonder Woman costume, and that was not fantastic because uh, it was literally <laughs> just like a cheap pleather corset one that I had bought from another. Co- uh, another cosplayer and it didn't fit uh-huh. right and I tried to modify it but like when I sat down like the boning would like sift it and really it looked really weird right. it was not very flattering um that wasn't great I did Lilith from Borderlands 2 because I was super pumped because Borderlands 3 was supposed to be coming out and um I did a terrible job with that makeup I think I looked like I was in drag <laughs> like that was a thing that happened I have not revisited Lilith since uh C2E2 2019 so I think that's probably my Probably not my favorite costumes. Um, there's definitely some that are incredibly uncomfortable as well. Um, I did a um, Dr. Ziegler's Mercy skin uh, at C2E2, and it came out pretty nice. We had we made these amazing large wings. Um, they had like transparent stuff so you could see through them, and it came out really cool. But they were so uncomfortable to walk in. They were mm. not light. Mm. Um, so that was, and they were also really hard to maneuver and a crowd in because they stuck out behind me, but for like. I don't know, like four feet, and they oh, would wow. just like flop every time I took a step. So that wasn't great, right. but they look cool. I've always fantasized about uh, cosplaying as the Sarlacc pit, you know, and having these <laughs> 80, 80 foot tentacles just going with me throughout the convention floor, tripping and uh, tying up everybody for the entire day. Um, you can so demand the... sacrifices. Yes, yes. And also snacks. I mean, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you refer to yourself in the third person as the mighty Sarlacc? The mighty Sarlacc, yes. <laughs> I, I admire someone who's able to admit, you know, sort of uh, their not their failings, but but things that didn't go as well. Um, that's something I struggle with. You know, it's really hard for me to find anything I've ever done that hasn't been completely perfect. So it's refreshing to be, you know, around somebody who's who's got that realistic view of themselves. Um, but uh, so so you keep mentioning this this uh, this conference C2E2. I'm not really familiar with it. Tell us a little bit more about how you got involved with that particular con. What does it mean, C2E2? So it's the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. And it just happened to have been the first convention that one of my coworkers was like, hey, you should come to this. We'll hang out. Fun fact, I never actually saw her that day. Like, (laughs) my husband and I got tickets to go. And because it was so large and she was participating in uh, Critical Roles things, they were there that that year. I never, we never actually found her um, on the convention floor. Hmm. Um, and so that was my first ever convention that I went to. And then the next year was my first ever convention that I went to as a quote unquote cosplayer. Um, and I was able to get involved, um, kind of almost randomly by happenstance. I got contacted by a guy named Eddie, who is one of the photographers around Chicago that has his own like after party. And he's kind of like the heart and soul of the Chicago cosplay community. He's awesome. Oh, you can find him on Instagram at, at Eddie B Photos, I think. Eddie B Photos, uh, all right. Yeah, and he randomly invited me to join in one of his uh, meetups. So he was doing like he does like group shoots, and um, so I participated in his Overwatch group shoot in 2018, and that was the first time I'd ever like hung out with other cosplayers and just been like, you guys are all really nice. <laughs> and so that was really cool too. Um, and then this year I was able to go and I, because I'd been in the community a bit, I was able to like run into people that I knew, which was really cool. I actually did like a photo shoot at the con, which was really cool. I got to participate in the crown championship and that was just like next level. So that's amazing. So you, you, you know, it's kind of, kind of weird. I mean, starting out in just two years already kind of being 
uh, having such a success ratio, you know, you, you only you kind of only have to go down from there in a way, right? I mean, it's right. It's have I like already peaked? You, was that it? Well, I don't know. You've gone up so quickly. It's hard to hard to see what the future will be. Would you consider going to like the San Diego Con or a celebration or some of the really well known uh, uh, global level co- cosplay conferences in the future? Is that something on your horizon? That that's something that I think could be really really cool to do. Uh, one of the nice things about C2E2 is that it's local for me, so I can just, you know, drive like an hour, 45 minutes, and I'm there, sure. which is nice. Because obviously with uh, any kind of larger costume, you have to like pack it, and then there'll be multiple bags to transport, but obviously you'd be willing to do that. Um, i definitely do Star Wars Celebration. I think that'd be cool. They had it here in McCormick Place last year. Yes, we I were there. The we, time- we recorded uh, oh, every day live from the convention floors. Nice. Yeah, I had a bunch of friends that went, and because it was just like a month after C2E2 that year, I hadn't like planned or bought tickets or anything, and then I saw all my friends going to it, and I was like, man, that would have been so cool. Um, but at the time, I didn't have a Star Wars cosplay either, so right. I had to make one. Well, when uh, you fun. do, if you do get out there in the next couple of years, uh, we would love to to correspond. I mean, we we, we try to get to all the cons uh, with with one of our correspondents at least, but um, we're all about having uh, you know the faking Star Wars community well represented because sometimes uh, there's strength in numbers, and you know Go people ahead. are so jealous of how awesome we are that if there's just one or two of us there, it can incite mob violence. But when you get to like six or seven of us all kind of around, people tend to you know step back and just admire the wonderfulness that it that it is so they got the group thing going. exactly yeah so you know once you're in you're in uh you do have to get a goober tattoo uh you know our little blue stick figured uh red lightsaber guy at some point but we don't ask where you have to do it you know you can do it anywhere it can be as big or small as you want and we don't ask for photographic proof so you know it's kind of the honor system well there you go in that case i already have one. Oh, great, <laughs> great. <laughs> excellent well um you know thinking about the future of Star Wars right uh, it's 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 really up in the air right now we don't know much about the new films um, I am really hoping that the armorist makes an appearance in Mandalorian uh, season two I think she was probably I think probably the the best new character in Star Wars in the last 10 years I just found her so compelling and the performance was amazing as well um, but aside from that with the movies uh, you know one thing that I did not like about the sequel trilogy I didn't think that the costumes really told much of a story um you know snoke's robe was amazing but it, to me it didn't say much about his his character it, i i did i just found it to be very odd it was an odd choice um there were some other interesting costumes uh but by and large i think that the costumes were very toned down you know very restrained um do you see that in the future of Star Wars? Where would you like to see costumes headed here? I mean, we've we've heard rumors of the High Republic films coming Ooh. out, which you know could be extravagant from some of the the art that we've seen. But um, mm-hmm. wh- where would you take it if you had your say on it? Uh, I definitely do uh, gear more towards the like the High Republic type things. I do find all of the all of the I guess the interesting contextual details I think could be really cool. One of the things that I think maybe you were kind of latching onto with the new trilogy is that because everything was like so desperate and so we're in a rebellion, we're in a backwater planet, that it's just kind of like anyone's wearing whatever, you know, it's whatever's comfortable, whatever you've got around, which is, which is definitely makes sense given the scenarios, but it doesn't tell that good story, you know? It doesn't lend itself to really cosplaying either when you can just get some old, uh, you know, T-shirts or rags you've been using to, to um, you know, to oil up your uh, 12-gauge shotgun and just throw it on and call it a, a Rose Tico costume, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so so if you could design uh, something, let's say, for, uh, you know, the future uh, Star Wars films, what, what would it entail? Where would you head with it? What fabrics would you use? What what sort of color scheme are you interested in? Um, describe mm. it. Okay, so you, if I had to do an original character, Star Wars character, yeah. which I guess is where I'm going to take this, um, my first thought is that she would definitely have pants because if she's going to be a Jedi, because obviously she would be, um, you would have to have some kind of pants so you can do really cool, awesome backflips. Um, probably I'd do some kind of long flowing like skirt panels as well because... Anytime you're going to do anything, it looks really cool if you have like the capes or the flowing fabric bits. I think that's very fun. 
probably more closely fitted on the top, probably not billowy sleeves because you have to be able to fight with them. Um, bluish gray, for some reason, is popping into my head. I don't know. Cool. And obviously, you have to have a matching lightsaber. Nice, nice. Well, it sounds like you're ready to go. I mean, in the cosplay community, I mean, do, do people create their own characters as well? Is that something? I haven't heard as much about that. Um, yeah, so I have seen people that do their own designs. Um, I Someone I know, her name is Jamie Koala made her own original design Sith, and she had that at C2E2, which I thought was really, really cool. It looked very Sith-like and evil. Um, I do see people doing, like, OC Jedis, like, a little bit, but it tends to be very, like, Star Wars prequel trilogy, just robes and a lightsaber, which is okay, but I don't feel like it's particularly creative either. Yeah, it doesn't push the envelope, I guess, that much, does it? We saw mm-hmm. an interesting costume uh, of somebody I've had on the show before named C3PO, who's got an Instagram and uh, a Twitter. And by her name, you can imagine that she's something to, to look at. She's, you know, she's a model, and she's, she's, uh, she's a nice, nice cosplayer. She's very friendly, and she did a costume that was a mashup between um, Darth Vader and the um, – who's the character from – uh, uh, the Joker series, you know, uh, she's got the baseball bat and, and the Harley Quinn. Yeah. Harley Quinn. So she did a Harley Quinn, Darth Vader, like mashup costume. And, and so that was an interesting take. And I thought kind of pushed things a little bit, the idea of, of a mashup costume. Uh, mm-hmm. have you done anything like that or, or seen anything at, at, at different conferences that, that was interesting in that kind of way? Like something that wasn't authentic, you know, but a little bit funny or mm-hmm. goofy or. Yeah. So I did see someone that did a really good, um, Jedi Megara from Hercules. Okay. So I thought that was that was really cool too. Huh. And I've seen I've got some friends that have done like makes pork onesies. Those look very comfortable, and I would kind of totally own one of those. That would be so, nice for a Saturday afternoon and COVID, I guess. COVID, yeah. COVID land. Nice working from home outfit, I think. Very cool. Uh, so I've seen I've seen some fun stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> fans on Twitter and Instagram they they're very um, you know very opinionated about the new properties. Um, mm-hmm. Where where what would you say is your favorite Star Wars moment if you had to uh, pick one out from from wherever any property? So Star Wars the films the the um, the cartoons uh, the holiday special for example. Uh, yeah, I've never actually seen that. Wow. Well, we would definitely have to make an appointment with you and live tweet that one because that's going to be that is going to be a proverbial show. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard it's so bad. I've heard it's so bad that I have don't really actually have any interest in watching it. Yeah, it kind of comes back around, you know, like a circle. It's so bad that it's amazing, I think. (laughs) Mm, Very specific mood for that one, then. Is it like watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Because that's a very specific mood also. You know, it's it's just surreal. I mean, I think the fact that I was alive when it came out and now watching it again later, I mean, it's like, it's just hard to understand how the hell did this get made? You know, it's just so bonkers, bonkers. To imagine (laughs) something like that coming out today is just so beyond anything you could imagine it's fantastic so, <laughs> but you know anyway b arthur has a great appearance in it though <laughs> oh all right well that'll be a surprise yeah yeah <laughs> um so, okay so favorite star wars moment yeah i hadn't this is like someone asking you like what's your favorite flavor of cake is and you just forget any kind of cake you've ever eaten i know uh-huh. I like to do this to people, you know, when they come on, they come in, I warm them up, make them feel like they're home and then ask them a question that they just, they won't be able to answer. Well, I'll, I'll go pretty basic then. The first thing that popped into my head, because I'm wearing the armor costume, uh-huh. is um, when she basically like takes out an entire squadron of stormtroopers oh, in the episode yes. of Mandalorian, because that's really awesome. That is such a great scene. The uh, the choreography and just the tone of that scene, amazing. Um, have you watched any of the uh, making of Mandalorian on Disney Plus that's come out in the last few weeks about the show? So I watched the first two episodes of that. I haven't gotten... I'm kind of slow about watching my shows usually. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's not like amazing. It's it's sort of mm-hmm. self congratulatory at times. Big big surprise there, Disney Lucasfilm. Um, but you know they, they they take a page out of our own book, I guess. Here, faking Star Wars, but. Um, I just thought it was such a risk to tell uh, what really amounts to a simple story. You know, mm. it's it's basically, uh, you know, man finds baby, 
man loses baby, man gets baby back, <laughs> and man mm-hmm. tries to keep baby safe, you know? Um, and that's not the typical plot line you find for Star Wars, but I think because of that simplicity, it allowed for those really intense moments like the Armorous's combat scene. Do you think she'll be back in Mandalorian uh, Season 2? I, I think so, yeah. Where do you see her plot line going as a character? What what would you like to see her do? So I think that it's very interesting that they have her as the like head of the tribe mm-hmm. or the head of the clan. Typically, you see that as more of like a patriarchal world than a matriarchal world. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I do think she'll be back. In what role? I feel like she's going to like come in at some point and just like swoop in and save Mando and Baby Yoda. Right. Which right. I also have a theory that Baby Yoda is a girl. So we'll see about that. Oh, yeah. Well, we haven't seen his pee-pee yet. So, and, and you know, he might he might be trans anyway, you know. We, he may not be, he may be gender uh, non-binary. So let's not, let's not be so, uh, you know, quick to judge his gender or assign it, I don't think, either. So. <laughs> there I was thinking I had a plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you're right. They haven't gendered him yet. So this is, this is going to be very exciting. Maybe Yoda's entire species is gender bimorphic, you know. Maybe Yoda himself was able to change his gender, like the snap of a, one of his little green fingers he just didn't do it in any of the movies that we saw maybe it takes energy yeah yeah force energy right if he if he does it too many times he just evaporates in a big puff of green smoke <laughs> that's what happened in return of the jedi yes yes right, right at the end of the return he's like mm, luke after gender i change mm, gone with the force i will go yes anyway <laughs> oh dear i'm going to hell oh uh, <laughs> Well, uh, one of the things about uh, the the Mando and and about um, the Armorist that I really like was that sense of lore, and mm-hmm. it's a different kind of part of Star Wars. And I'm just realizing this now; it really ties in, in a way, to your interest in Renaissance culture, also. Uh, I mean, have you have you felt that? I mean, they have that tradition, that sense of like a you know Armorist and the the insignias that you have to mm-hmm. get, and very there's a very kind of regal sense of knighthood. I think uh, that the almost almost the Japanese kind of um, samurai culture, I guess, too, is is where a lot of it's influenced from. Are you familiar with those scene, those uh, movies and stuff that uh, kind of influenced, I guess, Dave Filoni and John Favreau in the, in the Mandalorian? Uh, well, I know that they had. They had like all the episodes were like a specific tone, which I thought was cool. You know, you had like the yeah, like you had the more of the Western episodes. You had the like heist episode, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like blanking on all. And then they had the very different one where they were out doing like setting the traps for the for the ad at, which was another very different cool uh, type of episode. Oh yeah, Desperate Housewives of Shrimpland Village or whatever it was, <laughs> Blue Shrimp Surprisingly, Village. Surprisingly, they really made you want to stay there. Yeah. It looked really nice, and everyone was really nice, and Baby Yoda had friends. And and you had a daily supply of uh, blue-fermented shrimp blood alcohol. So Better or worse than the blue milk? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think the blue milk could intoxicate you. You never know. Have you have you gotten the chance to explore, uh, you know, some of the Disney theme parks at all? I mean, you, you seem to have a lot of keen interest in Disney and Star Wars properties. Uh, are you keen to go to um, uh, Galaxy's Edge in the future, or...? Yeah, I think that would be a really, really cool thing to check out. Um, I haven't gone to Disney since I was, oh goodness, since I was a kid. So yeah. I'm sure they have a lot of stuff to check out. I've seen some friends that go to Galaxy's Edge and they posted their pictures and it looked really, really, really cool. Um, I had an opportunity to maybe go because uh, I happened to have been in Anaheim last year. And I was like, eh, it's really expensive. I don't want to go for three hours because I didn't have much time. Right. And I decided not to go because, like, well, it's like it was like a hundred bucks to go for three hours. I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot. And you um, would feel sad at the end because you would you would stand in line for one thing that you had to pay fifty bucks for to do anyway at the end yeah. of three hours, and you'd be like, well, I just paid one hundred and fifty dollars to do one thing. Yeah. Although I have found myself regretting not going a little bit since uh, the since COVID hit. Because I kept thinking, man, I don't know when I'll get the chance to go again. Pol- I'm sure they're going to reopen, of course. But. Yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit pared down and, and uh, you know, they might have people volunteering there instead of paid workers. You know, they might uh, they might clone, for example, some some people from from another country who have uh, no hope and are in desperate, desperate need of anything and then and use those clones to populate the work labor force of Disney. It's very See, possible. What you just need to do. This <laughs> is all the face protection you need right here. That is a really good helmet. I mean, I, well, as a cosplayer, you know, 
how how do you feel politically about Disney's decision to sort of enforce a no costume rule at the park? I mean, it's been my understanding that you you can sort of walk the line a little bit and get away with mm-hmm. plant, you know, maybe a robe or something. But if you go full on cosplay, they're not even going to let you in. Do you feel discriminated against because of that? No. <laughs> Um, why I, not why aren't you a victim please tell us <laughs> what's so special about you that you're not a victim everyone else is damn it <laughs> um, oh goodness uh, so I just haven't the one I guess I haven't gone to Disney since I was a kid or since I started cosplaying which is probably definitely a factor um, two most of my costumes are not very comfortable to wear for long periods of time they're just not um, if I was to go as the armor I'm wearing a breastplate that's not particularly light um, and I have usually like the helmet's not very breathable. I've got my long gloves that go with it. I've got the pants and then I have these like boot covers as well. I will sweat to death. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't want to, you don't want to evaporate like a trans transgender Yoda, you know, uh, as you're drinking your blue milk cocktail at the, uh, at the, the bar there in Disney plus. Well then someone, someone's going to be like, Hey, why are you showing your face? You're Amanda. Like, well, didn't want to die of dehydration. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the way. This is not the way. Good. I like it. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, um, is there anything else that, you know, you think our fans might like to hear about you? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, what's been on your, uh, the last three months or so, you know, been difficult, I think for everybody because of uh, social distancing and, and, uh, quarantining, but what's been on your mind? You know, what, you, what is hot on your mind right now for, for star Wars or for cosplay? Uh, for cosplay, probably I have started scoping out my next competition build, which I think is going to be very cool. Um, so I mentioned that I got to participate in the crown championships last year, didn't place or anything, was lucky just to get in. Uh, but I saw so much of what everyone else was doing. And then I, you know, obviously followed them all on Instagram and they're now like doing like build breakdowns of what they competed in. And I'm seeing them and I'm just like, you did all that. You made that from scratch. I looked at the <laughs> thing that I made and it was like not remotely as good. So I'm scoping out what my uh, build is going to be for the next one. So I'll probably be announcing it in the next couple of months. Cool. Um, on one part, there's a lot of planning you have to put into it. I'm doing some 3D modeling of what the props should look like. I'm doing electrical. I'm actually doing LEDs and incorporating those into the design. So that's going to be the first time I've done that. Also a challenge because then you like hiding power supplies and microcontrollers and everything everywhere. Right, um, right. And then there's also just the little part of me that's afraid that someone's going to see my idea and then do it better than me. So I'm just kind of keeping that one in for right now well well no one will hear about it if you mention it on the podcast because we're the only people who are going to watch it but i trust i i, I do respect your desire to keep it secret so i'm not going to cry mom, any further so I should just, like, mom. <laughs> right right we do have a loyal listenership uh but uh they just happen to be the same people who produce the podcast um in any case uh well that's cool i, I look forward to hearing about you let us know when you come out with the uh reveal as it were uh, we'd love yeah. to get a faking service exclusive on that costume um and and so so i guess that's sort of where you find yourself the next few few months is preparing for that and uh mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll be watching in, and enjoying the mandalorian part two if you're if you're curious of coming back on our mandalorian uh, podcast we do it's sort of our sister podcast would love to have the the armorists come back and and discuss that with myself and Gemma the Hut, uh, who <laughs> who is a, a correspondent we have here. But um, how can fans reach out to you, get your gear, buy your buy your embroidery, uh, find you on Twitter, Facebook, AOL.com, uh, Geospace, My whatever. So you can find me on uh, Instagram at at evcosplay. So at evcosplay at uh, yes. Instagram? Yeah, ev underscore cosplay because evcosplay was taken. Um, you can check out my husband. He posts Mando stuff on at evprops, and he makes some cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he made actually, that gun, right? Well, he, he was involved yeah. in the making of that gun, I guess. He, he 3D printed and did all of the difficult parts on that gun. I just got to paint it, which is my fun thing to do. Cool. Um Actually, fun fact, that's why I made the armorer costume, because uh, he was walking around as the Mandalorian um, all three days at C2E2, and the last day, uh, I was just hanging out with him because I was really, really tired, <laughs> and I was Black Widow, and he, people kept coming up to us being like, can I take a picture of the two of you together? I'm like, <laughs> I'm Black Widow. He's, He's... <laughs> the Mandalorian. We don't go together. Right, right. Um, so I was just like, I got to be the armorer now so that we can match. And also, first couple's costume. I think it's really cute. <laughs> oh, that is adorable. That is adorable. So, 
Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to have Mrs. Duper sign up. Uh, you know, she uh, Mrs. Duper generally doesn't like to get involved uh, with Star Wars too much because she has to spend 24 hours with the Star Wars uh, character anyway. But I'll try to convince her. Um, and we can be we can be a uh, two couple uh, forced to be reckoned with at the next C two E two. Hey, there we go. Great. All right. Well, is so there are anything? Are you going to uh... do the slave lay, and she's going to do the the job of the hut? That's that's been my fantasy for years now. Yes. Um. I, I you know I have the I have the metal bikini. I've been I've been trying to slim down a bit. Uh. The the um the COVID nineteen pizza uh pandemic has not done me too well on that front. So I'm gonna have to shed oh, a few yeah. pounds. Um. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know, Carrie Fisher would be would be proud of me. I think so. I think, I think Space Mom is always proud of all of us. <laughs> Very good. Well, Evie, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell our fans out there in the faking universe? Uh, no. Keep enjoying Star Wars. I think it's awesome. And make anything you ever think, hey, that's cool. I wish I could do that. Just try it. You might be surprised. And unfortunately, you have to say goodbye to Evie Cosplay. It was such a pleasure having her here in the studios in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, maybe she'll be back in the future. Um, you can find us uh, at Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at Faking Star Wars or Facebook at facebook.com slash real faking Star Wars. And if you want to submit a question for us on Twitter for the next episode, use the hashtag FSWRadio. You can also get official Faking Star Wars t-shirts, mugs, cosplay items uh, it, at bit.ly slash fswmerch. That's bit.ly slash fswmerch. And go ahead and give me a follow at StormDuper on Twitter. I do follow back. If you like what you hear and you want to uh, support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fakingstarwars and sign up to become one of our wonderful, highly esteemed patrons. Not only do you support us fakers financially so that we can keep making the wonderful content that you love, but you'll get a great reward. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. Be like Darth Taxis and Keith Harmon, who keep supporting us faithfully at the fake Jedi Knight level. If you haven't written us a review yet, please consider giving us a wonderful five-star review on iTunes, Podchaser, uh, or any other podcast platform of your choice. really helps us to appear when people search for Star Wars on their podcast app and get our name out there. If you write a funny review, I guarantee you that I will read it on an upcoming episode. And just one last thing, if you haven't yet, join our FSW Discord server. It's a free online chat room full of fakers discussing Star Wars, other really geeky culture topics, and we even play games together. Uh, this is at bit.ly slash FSW Discord. Make sure FSW is all in caps. That's bit.ly slash FSW all in caps Discord. Please also stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. And thanks to all of our wonderful followers for staying with us during this time of coronavirus lockdown pandemic. Of course, may the foe be with you and see you next time.